Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from a series of books written under the banner of In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 129, The Sabbath Day, Part 6, is entitled Keeping the Sabbath Day Holy 2. In Podcast 126, Keeping the Sabbath Day Holy 1, we covered the first four propositions. 1. Remember the Sabbath day. 2. Keep it holy. 3. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. 4. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. We shall begin keeping the Sabbath day holy too with number 5. Proposition 5. In it thou shalt not do any work. Again, it is parallel to the story of creation. Genesis 2, 2. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Here I would like you to ask yourself, and be very generous with the word creation. How many of you are involved in some act of creation during your working days? Exercising your personal gifts is an act of creation. Several days ago my wife and I were in Costco looking for eyeglasses. I had just been told by the optometrist that I needed cataract surgery to restore 20-20 vision. I am 80 years old, so I suppose it is not unusual. Anyway, with prescription in hand, I was startled when an elderly gentleman came up to me obviously out of his way, for he had no purpose in the optical department. He apologized for the interruption and then said to my wife, I have never said this to a man, but I want to say this to your husband. Then he turned to me. You have a nice smile. I saw you across the room, and I wanted to tell you that. <laughs> no one, man or woman, has ever said that to me before. And to be truthful, I never thought I had a nice smile. Thanks to very good dentists, I have most of my teeth, but they are anything but remarkable. I have always been embarrassed by my smile. Nevertheless, it cheered me up that he would do that. But what followed cheered me up even more. Let me point out that he looked like jolly old St. Nick. Unsurprisingly, he said, let me show you this. He opened his wallet and showed me a picture of him in a Santa Claus suit with a little girl on his lap. He did not have a false stomach or a false beard or a false smile. He fit the role. He said he worked in the temple six months out of the year, and then he stopped while he dedicated himself to growing out his beard for Christmas so he could play Santa Claus. From his age, I assumed that he was retired. He said he liked encouraging people. He wasn't boastful. He was genuine. And then he left. I won't forget his kind compliment, deserved or undeserved. I believed, he believed I had a nice smile. I know he brought a smile to my face. I immediately thought of Chris Kringle in the famous movie Miracle on 34th Street, the original version. Proposition 6. In it thy son nor thy daughter shalt not do any work. It is a family thing, isn't it? In fact, the fifth commandment refers to the family. The fifth commandment is the one explicit promise of liberty stated in the Ten Commandments. It relates to the importance of the family. 
Deuteronomy 5.16 Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. But the fourth commandment extends to the entire household. Proposition 7 In it thy manservant nor thy maidservant shall not do any work. That refers to any enterprise that employs workers. Some businesses, of course, must operate on the Sabbath day. Common sense dictates those businesses. But it would be fair to say that such exemptions do not apply to most businesses. How wonderful it would be if, as a nation, we restored the Sabbath day. That would do more to unite and heal our country than all the fanciful ideals of ambitious politicians combined. It would have to be voluntary, of course. The dilemma of any government is to determine what behavior should be governed by law and what behavior should be left entirely to individual conscience. When our nation turned its back on the universal truth that the laws of God and the laws of nature are absolute and cannot be overturned, we began to regress, moving away from liberty. Negative consequences will always follow when absolute laws are ignored or broken and you cannot compensate for those consequences by creating more laws. You will simply fall deeper and deeper into despair and failure and captivity. Government cannot buy out the law, nor can government compensate for bad laws. It costs far more to clean up the effects of sin than it does to enforce just laws. However, the next proposition seems superficially very strange. Proposition 8. In it thy cattle shall not do any work. Why would the Lord command cattle not to work? (laughs) Pardon my facetiousness. Deuteronomy adds to that proposition, 1. Nor thine ox, 2. Nor thine ass, 3. Nor any of thy cattle. The oxen, of course, were used to pull plows or wagons. The ass or mule was used to carry passengers. It is another way of saying that we should even give animals rest on the Sabbath. I googled cattle to see how they were used in ancient times. The following came up. They were used to pull plows and carts, as well as to supply milk, meat, hides, and various body parts, such as horns, bones, sinews, stomachs, and bladders, for tools and storage containers. But even the land was to rest. Leviticus 25, 2-5 Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give you, Then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field, nor prune thy vineyard, that which governeth of its own accord of the harvest thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of the vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. We know, of course, that giving the land rest is simply good farming procedures. Many fields have been destroyed by overplanting. Keeping the Sabbath day holy is one of the greatest health practices man can have for the preservation of his own physical, mental, and spiritual health. The next proposition completes the list. Proposition 9. In it thy stranger that is within thy gates shall not do any work. Deuteronomy adds an explanation to Proposition 9. That thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou.
One of the greatest freedoms we lost when we entirely abandoned the fourth commandment is our freedom. We gave power to our employers to force us to work on the Sabbath day. They became our slave masters, dictating how we use our time, when we worship, when we rest, and when we work. We did it in the name of freedom. More liberty is lost in the name of freedom than under any other appellation. How many times I sigh and say with Shakespeare's sprite puck, Oh, what fools these mortals be! Cattle are also symbols for modern technology. Again, common sense must be used, but one glaring reality is that recreational use of machines, as well as repairing such machines on the Sabbath day, would have been strictly forbidden. Proposition 10 In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. The message to us in Proposition 10 is very clear. If we stick to the six-day work schedule, we can still get all the work done. It is more like a covenant God is making to us, sort of like the law of tithing, where the Lord promises to open the windows of heaven. If we honor the Sabbath day, God will enhance our ability to finish our task. One of the most difficult lessons we learn is that God's ways are always best, and in the long run, they will always prove to be more efficient. I am bold enough to say that fewer obstacles will arise, and when obstacles do arise, we will better be able to remove them if we do it the Lord's way. We may make less money, but the money we have will go further and we will make fewer mistakes. However, let me point out one reality. The more you try to serve God, the harder Satan works, and sometimes he throws obstacles in your path that seem impossible. But even there, with God on your side, you will triumph and be stronger. And the lessons you learn by overcoming those obstacles will serve you greater in solving problems that are ahead of you. It was Peter who said, The trial of your faith is more precious than gold. Proposition 11. God rested on the seventh day. As mentioned above, there is a strong health issue involved in keeping the Sabbath day holy. Remember that I equated the sacrament of the Lord's Supper with keeping the Sabbath day. There are different versions of the same thing. Let me refer again to the words of Paul. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. I personally believe that is related to the Sabbath day. I further project that much of the illness that plagues us today is due to stress, stress that would be significantly alleviated if we strictly observed the laws of the Sabbath. It may be that keeping the Sabbath day holy is one of the greatest health laws ever written. I believe that the violation of the Sabbath day is directly related to many of our weaknesses, sicknesses, and causes of death. It is not because we are punished by God, it is because we violate a fundamental law of nature. We do not get proper rest. I keep going back to the story of creation. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, 
Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Doesn't it seem probable that God who created our physical body would also build in a health code among his commandments? Primary among the miracles of Christ was the healing of the sick. To some he would say, go and sin no more. Sin is connected to personal health. It was Christ who said that the Sabbath day was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What does that mean? Among other things, he could be referring to the health code. We should not be surprised that scriptures refer to the past, the present, and the future. Many are prophetic. Look at the prophecies related to our own day. Luke twenty-one twenty-six. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Paul was a seer. He describes our day perfectly. Second Timothy 3, 1-4 This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. If you doubt Paul's words refer to our day, watch the news. Can you trust the press? Can you trust doctors? Can you trust politicians? Can you trust the FBI? Can you trust the Justice Department? Can you trust the IRS? Can you trust those with an agenda to destroy our democratic republic and replace it with socialism, totalitarianism, or the woke agenda? Can you trust schools? Can you trust teachers? Can you trust universities? Can you trust those who get rich in office while we grow poorer? Can you trust those who use taxpayer money to bribe for votes? Can you trust those who cause the problems to solve the problems? Can you trust those for whom words are tools of lies rather than conveyors of truth? Can you trust those who deny natural law? Can you trust those in high office who profit from all of their decisions at your expense? This is the day spoken of by Paul. This sounds like he is speaking from a church pulpit today in 2023 rather than to a congregation 2,000 years ago. How many diseases today are connected with processed foods? with lifestyle, with pollution, with stress and tension, with diet and habits, with addictions, with sexual promiscuity, with lack of self-control. I love the next two propositions. Proposition 12. The Lord bless the Sabbath day. Does that not mean that the Sabbath day has special blessings attached to it that we can claim if we keep it holy? The Sabbath was made for man. Did you know that the Lord made our physical bodies on the Sabbath day? Look at the timeline in Genesis. Genesis 2, 3-8 And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. These are the generations of the heaven and of the earth, when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. 
But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Everything Christ has done since that first day of creation is to help us return to that sanctified state. That is why the Sabbath has a special blessing attached to it. It is a reminder of what we can become. Only those who are sanctified can enter back into the presence of God. Christ revealed to John. Revelation 21, 7-8 He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In Revelation 22, John adds, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Of course, it doesn't have to be that way. Everyone, regardless of what they have done, can claim the mercy of Christ, which satisfies the law of justice. Look at Christ's final invitation. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.